there are some holidays you do not want to forget. Now, some are obvious. They won't let it happen. But some of them, you don't want it to happen. And one of those comes up in June, I'm sure, in May, and that is Mother's Day. That's pretty important, isn't it? I mean, you're going to remember Mother's Day uh, no matter what. And if you happen to be a dad with young children, you better remember it for them, right? You better do that so that mom, who is giving her all to raise them, gets that recognition. But you know, as strong as that is, it doesn't compare at all with what Jesus did. For right there in the middle of the most difficult hour of all of his life, when he is doing exactly what God asked of him, the most difficult moment of all, he thinks about his mom. A wonderful moment. The scene is in front of him, along with the other people who have brought about the crucifixion, are three Marys, Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary, who would have been a sister-in-law to Jesus' mother. She was the wife of Clopas. And then there was Mary Magdalene. And then unnamed, but we know who it was, the disciple whom Jesus loved, who was John himself. I imagine that in that moment, Jesus, surrounded by so many who would hate him, was then in front of his eyes stood four people who loved him the most. I say the most because at that particular moment, there is no regard for their own safety or concern for it. They love him so much, while they cannot rescue him, they can be present in front of him, reminding him how much they love him. And in that moment, Jesus says these words. Now remember, the first word he said was uh, a prayer, and it was a prayer really for them, those who had crucified him, and them really came to include even us, for our sins have been put him on the cross as much as anyone else's. And then in the uh, second week, the word was uh, a paradise, because as Jesus was just talking with the repentant criminal next to him, he said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. Today the word is about relationships. We could say mother, but that's not the only one he means. It is about the importance of and sharing in the faith. You know, we should take a moment and say that women not only standing here at Jesus' cross... Uh, they'll do other things ahead of men for the most part because they are financial supporters of his ministry. We find that in Luke's Gospel, chapter 8. Uh, it is a woman who is the first missionary to the Samaritans. Uh, it is a woman who first anoints Jesus uh, with oil in preparation for his death. It's the women who are first at the tomb, women who are first to meet him as a rested, rested Christ, and they are the first ones to share the good news as John tells the story. So women have taken no back seat in Jesus' work at all, and in the power of that, we hear his, his words to Mary. We should say something about Mary because she has a unique role in history. No other one has literally gives birth to the Son of God. It is an important reminder of her role in our salvation as she helped bring about his entry into the world. As much as it was Jesus' time to come, it was Mary's time to have him. 
That said, let's talk about the care. Because what John is saying, Jesus is saying to John, is that he who probably has provided for his mother a number of years, Joseph, somewhere along the way, has most likely died. We don't have record of him. And it would have been Jesus' responsibility as the oldest son to be ahead of the family. And don't you know he would do that well? But now as he is about to leave, he feels the need to extend that care for his mother. And he chooses to do that using John, who is standing there in front of him. One tradition says that John, in fact, did take Mary and that she lived out her life in Ephesus where he built for her a home. And if you go on a tour there today, there is a, a, um, the ruins of that. You can, you can see them. That's one of the traditions. There's a, another tradition that's really older than that one that says that Mary spent the rest of her life in Jerusalem. That really connects well to the fact that uh, the, another son of hers, there were four other brothers of Jesus, James, another son, was the head of the early church in Jerusalem. Makes sense that that family would have extended her and cared for her. But either way, it's the same story and the same concern. What do we do? Is it simply a private moment between Jesus and two others that we are allowed to hear? Or is it saying something for us? Jesus really talks about kinship in different ways. He lets us know that uh, he, when you, it says in Matthew 25, even as you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. So when we begin to show love and care, we have exemplified that as though it were to him. In three of the gospels, the story is told where Jesus is preaching and his family, his mother and brothers come to see him. He is, he is teaching and someone learns they're outside and lets Jesus know. And Jesus' response to their being there was, was, he said to them, Who are my mother and my brothers? My mother and my brothers are those who hear God's words and obey it. So Jesus has pushed out the restrictions that we think of who a mom and brothers and sisters are. He has not excluded them at all the ones originally on the list, but he's pushed the envelope of care and kinship much wider. He also says the role of family care is ours. In 1 Timothy, we read, for those who fail to provide for, an unbeliever, for a relative are worse than an unbeliever. That's pretty sharp talk. Let me tell you, some observations I've had in the years I've been your pastor here at this church. What I've seen, I've seen you, meaning some of you along the way, experiencing that middle generation of parenting where you are caring for the children you're trying to raise and you find yourself now helping care for your parents. And that is often a challenging part of life. There may be distances between, which seems to add even more to that struggle, but you are rising to it. I've seen you bring parents when you came to move here, or eventually in time, they followed behind. I think that's so they can simply be a part of your life. You want them to be near, and they want to be here, and you find a way to make it happen. I see that often here. 
I've seen you care for special needs children all of their life. Decades and decades of what that means. Giving of every day, every hour, caring for a loved one who needs all that you have to give. I've seen you do that. I've seen you reach out to others in need that are beyond just your family. I've seen some of you reach out to older adults here who don't have family close to them geographically, and you've let them become a grandparent somewhere like role in the family, and, and that's added both to their life and to yours. I've seen you do that. I've seen you open your home to a friend who was dying and did not have any family who could care for him. You kept him in your home until he died and you saw about his every need. I have seen you do that. And I've seen you as a church care for the hungry and the homeless in our community. As a church, you should and you do. I've seen you do that. There are great challenges to that way of life. Some of those come from the very culture we're in. Our society says that independence is more important than interdependence. We teach our kids to grow up and take care of themselves, and later we become sorry we did because we want them to know we still care about them. Now, you, you and I are alike. I hope that I do want my children to grow up. I do want them to eventually live somewhere else. You know, that's a good idea. But children finally get there. It seems to take a little longer for some, but you get there, you know, and you're real glad it happens. But the day they move out, you certainly don't want them to move out of your heart. You don't want them to move out of your life. You want to stay connected, and distance becomes a struggle because of it. You look for ways to make it happen. And we live in a society where money is loved and people are used. And that is a challenge to what Jesus asked of us. And we live in a society where we measure worth so often by economic wealth when it is not a true measure at all. Our worth is often seen in the grace of God and the love of others. And you know you're worth something when you're something there. Jesus teaches us. And there are opportunities. Let me just give you one example. For instance, uh, there was a recent study out that showed that baby boomers who are now in that retiring range of people, that's a fairly large group, and I'm one of those, said about one-third of those people, when they're interviewed, surveyed, said they have only saved less than $25,000 for retirement. Now, you look at that and go, oh, wow, that certainly isn't enough. But you know what that is? That is an opportunity an opportunity for families to be what a family should be because you reach out and you help and you hold each other together in good times and in struggles. We are meant to give a note of a different kind to the song. We're not like the society we're in. We're meant to be different. My favorite quote from Mother Teresa goes like this. Not everyone can do great things, but everyone can do small things with great love. I, I just like that saying. 
I think it's so many times in life when you wonder, what can I do? And we want to make some big splash in life. What can I do? And the fact is, it's when you're doing the smallest thing with love, you've done the best thing. And it's measured in the people around us. We let them know. Do we say to our children, or do we acknowledge to them, when they grow up, they'll have their own life to live? You ever said that to your children? You grow up, you have your own life to live. Now, there's one sense that is absolutely true. There's another sense when it's a very lonesome statement. Because it sounds like you have your own life to live and it's not connected to anyone else. And it doesn't need to be. When the truth is, it's only healthy when it is connected. When we found the love of Christ showing in us and others. He begins this text, and depending on the translation, with the word, Behold. Behold your mother and behold your son. And I begin to look that up and what it means because behold means to see differently. That is to see or observe a thing or a person, especially a remarkable or impressive one. Behold. Your eyes can see in a different way the needs of those around you and you can open the door wider to those for whom you're learning to care. It really leads to another term, very close to it, the word beholden. No G on the end, I've been reminded of that. Beholden. You're beholden to someone. Someone may want to say, I don't want to be that way. But beholden means owing thanks or having a duty to someone in return for help or service. I believe it means to live a connected life. The loved ones around you as Jesus would have Mary and John to do together. Can you imagine when Jesus uh, arrived, when, when John arrived in heaven, that Jesus would ask him this question, did you take care of mom? Ooh, you know, uh, uh, I have a book in my library that he might want to borrow, and this is the title to the book. It says... I have, yes, Lord, I have sinned, but I have several excellent excuses. And somewhere in that title, however, you realize this, is none of them will matter. If we choose not to open our hands and our hearts and our homes to care, our excuses will not matter. Because Jesus will ask one day, did you take care of mom? Not just mom, Mary, the mother of Jesus, but your own mom, the mom of your children, whoever else is a mom too. And I believe it crosses genders as well because she would take care of John, Mary would. And in that we find what God intends, the measure of the faith and how we care for each other. There from the cross, Jesus passes the word of relationships. Would you pray with me? Our Father, we know that your love is so great. How can we dare measure up to what you do? But you give us a small task and a size in which it can be done. You simply say, care for that one near you. Give us the heart and the will and the way and the strength 
that we can act in that way most like you and as if you had commanded us just like you did for John for Mary's needs. Open our hearts, Lord, for we love you that much. In Jesus we pray. Amen.